Hello, church family. Uh, this is our really our first study in the book of Acts. The one we did on Monday was a intro to it, but now we're actually going to go through verse by verse through this particular portion. And the portion that we're going to go over today is uh, Acts chapter 1 from verse 1 to 11. And again, this is not intended to be a super detail, but at least just for us to understand what this book is so that we can uh, help us think and reorient how we need to live our daily life. And that's what these daily podcasts are designed to be. It's supposed to be made for us uh, to help enhance our devotional life, um, whether it's just some sort of uh, short reminder. Uh, and supplement does not mean, it doesn't mean that you're supposed to uh, not do your own Bible reading or do your own prayer time after, <coughs> after listening to this. Rather, this is just a way for for you to supplement in your own devotional time. And I hope that it will be encouraging to you. So, this book begins here. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. So again, this is really, if we think of Luke Acts as um, two parts, this is just the second part. And the first account wrote all that Christ had did on earth. And this second one here, and the rest of the New Testament really describes uh, how the, the Lord fulfills um his promise in building his church. Uh, the first account in look at Luke of Acts is how the Lord lived in his, uh, in his longest of the four gospels and will give the exhaustive accounts about the life of Jesus Christ. Uh, there are things in the Luke's gospels that's, that's different from the rest of the gospel. But I think the, the chief point in that book, in the book of Luke, is that Jesus Christ is man. And it's important for them to know that, that you know, Jesus Christ had a genealogy, that he is a real person with, with a real life, uh, and that he died a real death, and he rose again, uh, again, in a real physical sense. It wasn't just some mystical thing, but that they uh, saw, and they give this, and this account is that. This second part of Luke's writing is designed to show you how God fulfills that, God, that God is going to enact and fulfill the promise he made that the Holy Spirit will arrive and will take work in his life. And he has to understand that even this beginning writing is interesting that Christianity is unique and that Jesus didn't write anything. You know, Jesus actually didn't write anything down. His whole life is just is why we call it the the, you know, the gospel or the testimony of other people because they there are other eyewitnesses that are, are watching them. And I think there is in it a divine uh, it's 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 a it's design purpose and that yes the Holy Spirit is in the writers but I think it's also interesting just for like legal sense because then you know if some people might be skeptical Jesus wrote that oh he's just very biased but when you have different writers uh, uh, accounting for the same event uh, then that means that uh, you know they could either all be wrong or uh, or that they are actually all saying the same thing and I think the four gospel have different account- different perspectives on it. And of course, the book of Acts is interesting because it's a historical book. It's a historical book with, with teachings in it. And like I said on Monday, that uh, narrative isn't normative. This isn't, this doesn't mean that just because something happens in the book of Acts that that's how our church is supposed to be exactly. Now, there are still principles that are, uh, or commands that are reaffirmed in the epistles. Those are things that we would say like, okay, yeah, we follow those things. But some things, like especially the supernatural gifts, are obviously not designed for us. Which gets us to verse 2. Until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given order to the apostles whom he had chosen. The Lord chose the twelve apostles, and now the Lord will use them in uh, in a very unique way. And he's going to uh, let them reach their fullest potential. 
uh, this doesn't mean that they're perfect, but this is that the way that they are used by God, the way the minister of the people, their, their theology is going to be uh, way more mature than it was when they were first taught during, the, during Jesus' ministry. Uh, the Lord kept giving instructions until the time uh, for him to ascend. And uh, really, this is just a crash course of, of theology. Jesus wanted to continue to teach them and to nourish what they already know, to establish more uh, to you know, give them more, not just a greater foundation, but even more to work with, so they could keep building upon the foundation that they know. Uh, Jesus has said that this was this was going to happen, and this is what's taking place. In a lot of ways, the Book of Acts is a fulfillment of all that Jesus has said. Verse three: To these, he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proof, appearing to them over a period of forty days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Now, when you're reading this, you're probably wondering, what are these convincing proofs? What are the proofs that they have shown that, okay, yeah, this is Jesus? And I have three that comes to mind. One is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Uh, the Jewish mind, that, you know, the main people that first hear the gospel, they understood that Jesus was going to come. But not only that, they, they understood that, that the new covenant, that Jesus Christ would be indwelling in them, that there, it's, not, it's no longer in a temple anymore, but it's going to indwell in the life of the Christian. Uh, they knew that the Holy Spirit is going, the, the, the Lord is going to live inside of all believers, and this is going to be that event. They're going to see that when the Holy Spirit enters in to them, there's going to descend upon them, and it's going to look like little flickering tongues of flame, and that's how uh, the Holy Spirit enters in, into the believers, which is really, really the enactment of the new covenant that we have. Another convincing proof is is the miracles. Uh, the miracles that Jesus has shown, whether it's walking on water or feeding the 5,000, um, all of these different miracles are to testify the fact that Jesus is the Savior that they're looking for. Uh, they are supposed to, uh, you know, when Jesus did all the miracles, they were a testimony to the fact that he is the God, he is God in flesh. He is God incarnate, that they, that all of the things that he's doing is just a foretaste of what he's going to do once he returns and, and, and reigns. Uh, uh, over the earth. Uh, so the miracles testify to the reality of who Jesus is. But lastly, I think the probably most important one is the resurrection. Because if Jesus just disappeared and never came back, people did, wouldn't know if, um, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they'll just say, oh, he's just another crazy prophet that claimed that he's God. But the fact that he rose again uh, is, a, is, a, is a testament to the fact that he has power over death. That Jesus is not just someone just let, he's not like any other prophet the way like maybe Islam describes him, but he is really fully man and fully God, and he's divine in his nature, but yet he's in his you know, human vessel, um, and that and his resurrection signifies the fact that he is the God that they've been looking for. Yeah, these are all references in the Old Testament that the the Savior will, will die, and you know even Jonah gives us a, a foreshadow of what that's like being in a tomb for three days and coming back to life. Verse 4, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And this is a fulfillment that Jesus is saying that uh, there's going to be the Holy Spirit that's going to indwell in them. And uh, this is, shows you, I think, over and over again, the the accuracy of God's word, that when God promises something, it doesn't just go void. Uh, uh, and that's a lesson for us every single day. When we think about the God's promise in Scripture, we know that he's, he's fulfilled. 
he will fulfill it both in terms of the macro sense and in terms of the micro sense. The big picture things that, you know, the Lord will sustain us. How does he sustain us? The Lord will provide for us in our daily bread that he will always take care of those people. We may not always be aware of those moments, but God is always kind in providing what we need so that we can live in, 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 in hoping his, in, in anticipating his promises, knowing that they will come to play one day. Verse 6, so when they had come together, they were asking him, Lord, is is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom of Israel? Uh, now, this is a question that, it's a good question, because it's a question that a lot of people have, even nowadays, especially whenever there's some sort of great calamity. Uh, I mean, even last year, I was asked, because of COVID-19, this is the end of the world, and and I, my response is like, it can be, but we, I don't know definitively. There's no way that we can know. That's not for us to know. But at that time, it's, it's a particularly important question because your, Jesus first came to die, and now they are worried uh, and they're also excited to see how God will fulfill his great promise next. And then they're not asking because they want to not do what God wanted to do. They, they really just want to see more of God's power. If there's a faithfulness and desire and devotion to the Lord, they want to know how, uh, is, is God, what's God doing next. And as an anticipation that we, you and I should have, uh, we don't need to worry so much about when the end is. We just need to live knowing that the end is coming. Verse 7, uh, he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or epochs uh, which the fathers has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. So what is this is crucial in that Jesus did not just tell them, uh, I'm not going to tell you when it's going to come, but uh, you need to go and tell the people throughout the entire world the name of Jesus Christ. And why is that significant? Why doesn't Jesus tell them the specific time? I think is that if Jesus tells them, like, okay, is this going to be a week from now or a 100 years from now or 10,000 years from now? Like, he gives a definitive date. Well, what, human nature will just say that they'll either be very lazy uh, because of like, okay, well, I'm not, if, if I know I have 10,000 years before Christ will return, then I'll just let someone else do it. Or you become, uh, you know, you're so focused on the detail of the days that you, you can become distracted and just enjoying the life and even the ministry that God has given you. I think that uh, part of, and I think largely the reason why we <coughs> are here uh, is because we're called uh, to go and make disciples of all nations. You know, enjoying life, enjoying family, all these things are secondary. But our main primary task being here is to go and tell people about Jesus. Now, we want people to know and, uh, and, and we want people to love Jesus. And all believers are in this camp. It's our job to go and tell others of the kingdom that is to come. And that is something that we need to challenge ourselves. Uh, are you making the Great Commission that Jesus commanded your Great Commission? Um, do you find that your greatest desire in life is to make Jesus known? Or is your greatest desire in life to try to find money or try to enjoy this life or to buy things or um, you go have certain experiences? Again, I'm not saying these things are wrong. I'm just saying that your primary goal in life should always be to make Jesus Christ be made known throughout the world and for some that might mean doing some sort of missions trip and for others it might just be getting to know your neighbors more so that they can uh, so you can have a window of opportunity to share the gospel with them whatever it may be you want to slowly build and cultivate those types of relationships so that the gospel can be made known 
especially now in our time where it seems so much harder to do open air preaching or just evangelism in general because of COVID-19, we have to be even more intentional to, to be very, uh, to be, to conduct ourselves in such a way that people, uh, you know, know that we are believers and seek to want to the desire to know who our God is. And that begins by us wanting others uh, to know him. Uh, verse nine. And after he said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Uh, these were eyewitnesses uh, to this, uh, to the fact that the Lord was uh, was went up into the heavens. Uh, obviously, we know from Scripture that he went to the the, the the Lord's right hand, and Jesus spoke, and he went away, and that was as easy as that. And there were many people that were watching. It wasn't just simply uh, you know, the disciples there. Because if, if only the disciples were witnessing to this, there's a chance, by, uh, there's, there's always going to be a chance where people think, well, it's, it's because you're biased or you're hallucinating because you're depressed because your leader is gone. But there was a whole bunch of people that saw. First Corinthians chapter 15 says this, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you also stand, by which, uh, but by which also you are saved. If you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, are delivered to you as of first importance that, that I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Again, reference, referencing to the Old Testament. And that he was buried and that according to, and was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And he appeared to Cephas, then to the, to the twelve. And he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, whom, uh, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. So there is an acknowledgement that there are a lot of people that saw this, a lot of people that were witnesses to this, and uh, that, that Jesus was not just saying this to just a, a selective group of 12 people, but he said to 500 people. And you, if you have 500 people, 500 witnesses saying that Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, uh, that's pretty convincing proof. I mean, we just look at court cases, and then when they say, oh, there's uh, 50 witnesses, that's already convincing enough that this person is innocent or guilty. So imagine ten times more than that, then the fact then we can know for a fact that the Bible is absolutely true when it speaks of the ascension of our Savior. Verse ten. And as they were gazing intently in the sky while uh, while he was going, uh, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And this is interesting because these, uh, you know, Luke tends to write and uh, with a lot of angels in both introductions. Um, he uh, he tends to. He tends to, I mean, the, the book of Luke begins that way. He speaks of these angels that are appearing to Mary um, and Elizabeth. Uh, they're all supposed to know that, you know, the, the forerunner is coming as well as the Savior is coming. And now again, in the beginning of Acts, the beginning of um, really the apostles' ministry, angel again shows up and tells them uh, to, you know, why are you looking up in the sky? Verse 11, they also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand? Looking up in the sky, this Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as, as you have watched him into heaven. And I think that's kind of funny. Uh, just reading is like, what are you doing? And it's like, they, these angels are speaking to humans as if this is a normal thing that angel, that people just ascend into the air. I probably would have been like this, the, the group, the crowd, they're just looking up and just staring because you want to see, is it going to fall or what's going to happen? He seems to be going away. These angels are basically warning them, saying, look, it's good that you're looking to Jesus, but why Why aren't you doing what he's telling you to do? He's telling you to go and and, and, and tell people uh, of what is to come, and that there's even a prophecy here 
in verse 11 that Jesus will come back in the same way. In the book of Revelation, we know that that's exactly what happens. At the end, Christ ascends or descends down in the same manner as the way that he ascended up into heaven. These angels in the beginning of both Luke and Acts, this is again a special connection between these books, and, and they're telling the reader as well as the audience there that Jesus will return. And this is the great hope that we have in Christ. So here's the thing. Are you anticipating the Lord's return? And I'm sure we all are to a certain extent, but as we're waiting, are we going to be faithful in what he's instructed us and to go and tell people about Jesus Christ? Um, now, here's my exhortation for us, if, you ever listen, if you're listening to this, that you need to be very intentional with your life. That Yes, you can study and look to scripture and even uh and you study all that you want, but you need to go beyond just looking at Jesus and actually doing something for Jesus. You need to go beyond just looking for Jesus and actually going beyond and tell people about him. Much like the angel is just uh, telling and rebuking the, the people there, he was, uh, we need that exhortation and rebuke as well, that we need to just, it's good that we look to Jesus, but we need to go and beyond that and, and, and serve our Lord and tell people about the kingdom that is to come. So as we think about this day, uh, I would encourage you to think about one person in your life that you can be thinking about to pray for so you can hopefully evangelize them. And as you think about that, um, ask the Lord for opportunities to cre- uh, so that you can go and share the gospel with them. Because that's why we're here. That's why we, the Lord has left us here. This is the condition that he's given us so that we can go and tell people of Jesus Christ. Now, I hope that this is helpful. Uh, on Friday, we'll go over the end of chapter one when there's the replacement for or the lesser looking for the replacement of judas thanks for listening take care and have a great day mm-hmm.